Hello everyone, my name is Anasul Sovag. This is Something About Everything. With me here today is Sujum Park, the founder and CEO of Allo, a Toronto startup attempting to revolutionize the furniture industry. Allo is basically combining the concepts of do-it-yourself and a minimalist design to bring a very simple and elegant furniture to its customers. And when I say furniture here, I'm referring to more things that you sit your stuff on, like bookshelves, tables, and shoe racks. It's a pleasure to have you here on my podcast, Sejun. Uh, first off, can you tell me more about who you are and what your background is? Anas, thank you for having me here. You know, it's not often that I get to talk about my company with other people. So yeah, my name is Sejun. I'm the founder and CEO right now of Allo. I always had an interest in building physical things. Uh, you know, going into university, engineering was going to be my thing. And if you're in Canada, you know, Waterloo is a pretty good school to go to. And luckily, you know, I was able to get into mechanical engineering. You know, I was kind of naive thinking that if I got into mechanical engineering, I would graduate and start designing cards, um, which was totally not the case. And, you know, going into university, you get this, I think most of the people go through this phase where you're starting to think about what career path or what kind of work you want to do. And for me, you know, I, going through like co-op experiences and internships and all, you know, I always thought about, okay, I actually want to do something of my own and something that actually involves me building a physical stuff. And that naturally evolved into me wanting to also kind of get involved involved in a lot of design related projects. So, you know, even though I was a mechanical engineering student, uh, I was dabbling in, you know, graphics and also industrial design on the side. And, you know, my first kind of like real exposure to the startup scene was back in 2010. I was actually first year in university. I learned about this program called Velocity at University of Waterloo, uh, which is a startup incubation program that just has kicked off back in 2009. And I thought I would, you know, apply and see what it's about. And, you know, it kind of opened up my eyes to meet with other students who are also very passionate about building a company. And I actually started with a mobile coupon application uh, startup. And, you know, I had no background in coding. Um, all I knew how to do was, you know, simple HTML and CSS. And I actually had to recruit a bunch of software engineering students to work with me as co-founders. And, you know, it was a wild ride, right? Like you're a bunch of, you know, 20 year old students not really knowing how businesses work at all but you're trying to build this thing and sell it to a bunch of businesses and, you know, gain customers and whatnot. And it was really an eye-opening experience. But eventually after a year, you know, it kind of fizzled out because for me personally, as a founder of that company, you know, I my passion wasn't there. Like building an app that I can't really touch physically wasn't really creating a spark in my kind of creativity going forward. So trying to balance schoolwork and everything else, you know, it really didn't work out from that perspective. But building from that experience, I always told myself, okay, after I graduate, you know, in maybe two to three years, you know, after building up some more work experience, I'm definitely going back to the startup scene and trying to build a company. To give you a little more detail about what I did after graduating, you know, how I told you about me wanting to go, go into mechanical engineering to become a car designer. I did the next best thing, which was working as a manufacturing engineer for an automotive company. And I did that for about three years, traveling around North America, helping build, um, you know, a bunch of vehicles with their launches in the market. And, you know, there I did a lot of project management, which kind of helped my startup uh, foundation in the future. So. It seems like you always had that startup mindset. Is it something that you would say people are born with or they develop at a very young age? Or is it a mindset that you can actually develop actively, think about it and develop it? 
Um, from my own experience, I think there's certain level of kind of like you having to be born with it a little bit, like just natural sense of curiosity, right? That's the very foundation of it. And after that, I think it definitely can be built in like before me, for example, I was just kind of curious about building a business. I think everybody has a desire to be their own boss in certain type of ways, right? But not a lot of people had the luck to be exposed to a, you know, entrepreneurial system or like have any friends that have gone through that type of experience, right? Because, you know, once I started kind of like dabbling in, you know, entrepreneurship, a lot of my friends who had no interest in it whatsoever started thinking about it. And a lot of those friends actually ended up becoming startup founders as well. So it's just like, you know, everybody has that curiosity, but, you know, it's it's just a matter of you being exposed to knowing that path exists. For some people, it seems like a very hard barrier to jump over, but it really isn't. You just got to, you know, kind of talk to some people, maybe start, try starting something and see where that goes. And once you actually jump over that hump, then you can start really developing that sense of entrepreneurship. So I think it's in everybody, but I don't think it's right for everybody. So entrepreneurship is contagious in a sense? I definitely believe so, yeah. I want to move more towards your brand. What does Allo mean? How did you come up with that name? Oh, so the name has a pretty long backstory on it, but to make it a little shorter. So I actually started to name my company Alto. So it's A-A-L-T-O. It's named after a Finnish architect named Alvar Alto without any background, you know, research of the, the rights to his name or whatever, right? Uh, copyrights and whatnot. Surely after I made up the logo and, you know, try to buy some simple domains and stuff like that, I realized Alto is actually registered as a furniture brand. His family like actually has trademarked his name for a lot of the designs that he's uh, created. So I kind of could foresee there could be some unnecessary legal issues if I kept the name Alto. But by that time, I already made up the logo and all that stuff. So I was too lazy to try to change all of that. So um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I decided to just take out the T and um, name it Alo. And it kind of stuck. <laughs> That's a very strange backstory. Can you elaborate more on your product? Yeah, I think you did a better job than I could have ever done explaining my product. But yeah, essentially what we're building is what I call a Lego-like furniture. The thought behind it is we are trying to bring modularity into the very core pieces that make up the furniture. So say for us right now, there's 12 different pieces 12 different parts in our parts library. And with those 12 parts, we can come up with over 50 different furniture designs. And what that allows us to do is be able to create simple and unique furniture items, whether they are tables, coffee tables, or bookshelves, all using the same components that we've already developed. So that brings down the cost from our end and also creates the cost savings from the consumers so they can enjoy a high quality furniture without having to pay the premium for it. And secondly, because we are going into that mod level of modularity, it allows our customers to be able to buy a design and also reuse it, repurpose it, and even customize it by adding or removing different pieces, just like how you would with Lego. And it's been taken really well from our initial customers who are mostly in the design field. Right? So these are people who are industrial designers, architects, you know, artists and whatnot who really like to get their hands on with the physical stuff that they already touch in their daily lives. And they love the fact that once you buy an Aloe product, it has a much longer life cycle and you can actually take some level of ownership in terms of creativity with the furniture that you have. So that's basically what we are trying to achieve and bring into this new market. I actually love the idea of taking an old piece of furniture and turning it into something new. So for the audience, basically to elaborate more on what Sejun said, 
furniture can be ordered from Allo as pre-arranged kits so you can get parts to make a desk for example or you can buy single parts if you have a design in your head and you want to make your own furniture item you can order single or individual pieces from Allo. Okay. I want to move on to more about the product. So how long is the product life cycle? As in from the time you think of a design to the time it gets to production. Right now, if we come up with a concept for a design, uh, we can actually launch a product on our website within 24 hours, as long as it doesn't require a new custom piece to be added to the library. And that's really the power of our system. So we've already started to collaborate with individuals to come up with unique designs of their own and start to showcase them on our website as well. If you think about other typical furniture brands that are out there, they're hiring you know tens and hundreds of designers who each of their own like spends months to come up with a single furniture design, which then requires an additional time to develop, you know, production line, packaging and all that stuff. But for us, with our core pieces, like Lego-like pieces, we can combine different parts together to come up with a new design within a day and actually have that, you know, readily available for people to purchase, like with really quick turnaround time. Mm. That actually ties into my next question. So do you personally come up with these designs or are you outsourcing the design aspect of the product? Yeah, so because we're an early stage company, we've been selling our designs for about a year now. But we've sold out of our first batch manufacturing, very small batch manufacturing designs, which were all done by our team, uh, myself and another engineer. But we're actually taking the customer's feedback from that initial launch and prepping for the second launch coming up in March of this year. Uh, And we've already started to collaborate with individuals to add more designs into the lineup. And our goal eventually is to have none of our team members design anything. We want to democratize the design process and leave it open to the public and see where that goes. Because I think that's a really powerful thing that we could be adding into the market. Yes, that actually sounds like a very disruptive and unique business model. Yeah, we'll have to see if it, you know, if it's actually doable, but, you know, it's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what's the next step for Allo? Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, we're actually prepping for the phase two. The thing about running a startup is, you know, you hear about these like lean startup methods. So we try to follow that initially. Uh, We spent a lot of money just coming up with small batch manufacturing. Didn't really do a thorough job of doing everything from simulations to all that. We did we did enough to verify that it's it'll be safe when we ship our initial goods to our early customers. But, you know, once it arrived at their places, obviously we got some feedback from customers about, you know, some parts are difficult to assemble, some parts are a little wobbly. So we're taking all of that feedback. And right now we've reiterated, we actually spent about four months. So we're taking really slow to really get it right. And we've made a lot of changes to our pre-existing designs and parts, and we are remanufacturing them at a lower cost with much better quality coming up, coming in March. And aside from that, to facilitate the creative movement, we're even adding, we're planning to add, you know, 3D configurators and the community section where people can easily, you know, share their ideas and designs that they come up with our unique Lego-like system. Now, so that's where we are headed. That sounds very promising. I hope it works out. I'm really excited for what comes in the March launch. Thank you. I mean, it's 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 scary, but exciting, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a time you were thinking of getting your idea acquired by another brand? Or was it always about launching your own brand? Um think it's the latter for me. Uh, I haven't really had a chance to think about 
having the company acquired or anything like that, because I do feel like we are, I mean, it is true. We are still not at the level where we can confidently say we have a product market fit. You know, we have had some successes and some failures and, you know, great fan base that we're starting to build. But I think we need to really just focus on getting the product market fit before we can even think about any sort of acquisition or partnerships or anything like that. Mm. So what would you say are challenges you are facing or have faced? So fundraising was a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. And I knew that it was going to be challenging. So we've secured a small amount of seed funding, but getting to that point, being able to build a physical product, have it manufactured, you know, get it to a level where a bunch of people have, you know, our early customers are buying it, testing it, um, getting customer feedback and be able to build all of that up and present it to investors to be able to get some of their money um, was really challenging. And I could like, Going through that experience definitely made me realize why, you know, people say it is one of the hardest things about running a startup. And another challenge, I guess this is more particular to being a hardware startup, is just balancing your product lifecycle with your runway and also fundraising, right? It's It costs a lot of money to even prototype or manufacture a very small amount of stuff. Was there like a specific reason why investors weren't seeing your product or was it the general competitive startup market? At, a, at any given moment, unless you are like a startup that's achieving this explosive growth, at which point you don't even need to pitch to any investors. Chances are, I think like a lot of investors will have more than one reasons why they aren't interested or why they want to wait until a further round to put their money in, right? Um, some of that might include from in, in terms of my company was basically we had early traction, but it wasn't anything explosive. And also we were manufacturing our initial batch of goods at a very, very low margin, understandably so, because, you know, if you're manufacturing something at a small scale, your per piece costs are much, much higher. You know, being able to confidently project that we will hit, you know, certain level of margins or certain level of profitability within a set time frame um, was always an unknown for the investors, right? And sometimes it, it's simple as, you know, like they're really not interested in the consumer startups or anything like that. So yeah, there's like different reasons that I found, but um, um, another important thing that I realized was if you're a founder looking to fundraise, you really have to think about, you know, what your goals are and why you want to fundraise. Because at a, at a certain point, if you're going to an investor and you don't sound really passionate about your business or like if you don't sound like you really need the money or you, if you really want the money, then it'll show. And yeah, I think clarifying that on your own mind before going into your fundraising mode is very important. I've talked to other startup founders and I found that that's a common factor when you go to an investor and they feel like you don't know the purpose or you don't know the stage your startup is currently in and why you need that money. They get iffy about funding that startup. Yeah, of course. Right. And, you know, it, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for startup founders either. Not all startups require an, an X amount of money. You don't have to have a million dollars in seed funding to be considered a 
high growth or you know high promising startup because it's all about the amount you need and why you need it. That's a great point though. What is your advice to startup founders or people who are looking to get into the startup field? Um, your close group of friends is really helpful. I really didn't do a good job of that, and especially when I was feeling you know down or when I was facing challenges, I didn't realize that there were a lot of help out there. Whether it's like friends you make through your startup journey, like other founders who are going through a similar thing are especially helpful. Um, even your close friends, they might not know what you're working on. They might not even understand um, why you're struggling or something like that, but they are all always willing to help you. So when you're facing the challenges, that's really helpful to know that you need to talk to other people. Or in my case, you know, I didn't really do a good job of that last year when, you know, I was kind of like going through the fundraising phase. It was really difficult. And also with the product market fit and the pricing of my product, I was kind of like, I didn't, I never wanted to build a luxury, luxury furniture brand. My goal always was to, you know, bring down the cost as much as possible so that we can benefit more people as much as possible, but realized that building furniture is actually not that cheap. So, you know, I also had to struggle through why did I start this business and why do I want to keep going through this? And, you know, it was my friend and other founders that I had in my network that really like helped me gain focus again. And if I have another suggestion for other, you know, whether they're students or other people that are wanting to build a startup is to know that like you have to be willing to commit not only one or two years, but may, most likely about five years of your life once you the moment you actually start your startup and that's a very hard lesson that I actually had to learn because I was very naive when I was quitting my job I was like okay it'll maybe take me like two years to really know if this thing's going to take off or not but in reality if you're building a company two years is still a very short time and chances are you're going to have to be willing to dedicate more than that to really see something come out of it that's great life advice in general, not just for entrepreneurs, because someone really needs to understand how to leverage their network to reach a certain goal. And at the same time, know how long that goal would last so that they don't feel disappointed if they overestimate or underestimate the amount of effort that will go into the project. So would you say you guys have any positions or what are you looking for in candidates over the coming period? Um, right now, we don't have any immediate plans to hire new people. However, since we're actually gearing up for the relaunch in March, um, we're always looking for people who are passionate about building a consumer brand, something really cool that people are you know, very hungry to try out. And we can definitely provide that experience. And from our team's perspective, we're looking for people who are design-oriented, um, who's been curious about home furnishing and design space in general that has some level of skill set or willingness to learn in fields of marketing, growth, and even engineering. Even though we are a consumer-facing modular furniture startup, we do a lot of uh, mechanical manufacturing and even software engineering. If you guys are ever curious, our website is www.aalo.co. Okay, that sounds really good. It was a very insightful talk. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, thank you for your time. Awesome. I'm really curious to see how it turns out. Hey, so the podcast just got on iTunes, so it would mean a lot to me if you would go and give me a review and also check out the Facebook page and let me know what you think in the comments. And definitely let me know if you know any cool startups or cool people you think I should interview. And yeah, 